0: Hey there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Married People Podcast. I'm CJ, and this week we're looking at the question, how can I work on my personal junk to improve my marriage? Now, it's no surprise that we all carry some baggage into our marriages, and believe it or not, all of that baggage can actually spill over into our marriages, whether we've been married 30 days or 30 years. And to talk about this, we've got a great interview for you with Dr. Matt Turvey. Matt is the director of Windshape Marriage. If you're not familiar, Windshape is a retreat and conference center located in North Georgia. And to be more specific, it's located at Berry College, which is my alma mater. So a little side fact for you there. They've got a number of incredible resources for married couples. I'm talking about Winshape now, not not my college, but uh, which Matt talks about during the interview. And if you want to learn more about their resources, you can visit marriage.winshape.org to learn even more. Matt holds a doctorate in clinical psychology and has been married to his wife, Nicole, for the past 20 years. And together, they have four kids. Now, Without further ado, let's get into this week's conversation with Ted and Dr. Matt Turvey, all about dealing with your personal junk so that you and your spouse can have a better marriage.
1: Matt, thanks for being here, man. Dude, my pleasure. Good to be here. Should I call you like Dr. Turvey or Dr. Matt or... You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I am a doctor. I don't just play one on TV. But yeah, so Matt, Matt's good. <laughs> That's good. Kind of well, it, like that. It's just, I kind of laugh because when I think of a psychologist, Matt, I don't think of someone like you. And I mean that in the most positive of ways. Okay, sure. That's yeah, that's it. Go on. No, but it's been great. Get to know you over the years. And you poured into marriages, and uh, I am so excited that you're here, man. I am so excited. Uh, but let's back up a little bit. Tell people you know who you are. Talk about your family a little bit. All that fun stuff. Okay, uh, been married to
2: my wife Nicole for a little over 22 years, so um, doing pretty good there. We have some people joke, you know, we'd have 21 happy years and one not so happy. But we've been pretty, pretty fortunate, pretty grateful for um, a, a life, uh, a married life that. Like I, we, we pinch ourselves sometimes. Not sure how we've been as happy as we have. But uh, I'm very grateful for that. So she's a great woman, uh, great mother. We have four kids, uh, 17, 15, 12, and 6. They keep us busy. They got sports. They got uh, engineering things. They've got drama stuff. My daughter does improv comedy. That's looks like- awesome. I could never do.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) she's way braver than I am on stage. I love that. So, uh, you know, the most important thing, though, is that you guys were on House Hunters. (laughs) Uh, House Hunters International. International. That's right. So... You got to tell people that.
2: <laughs> so I don't know what was it. Seven, eight years ago, a job was ending for me in Minnesota. And we were kind of at this imp- this, this impasse, not sure what we're going to do. Lord, what's next? What are we going to do? Uh, through a long series of, of, of prayer and conversations, decided that the thing for our family was to move to Lima, Peru and do psychology. So I was going to do psychology counseling for missionaries who were in South America. And somehow my dad found out that House Hunters International was going to be filming. He goes, you got to apply. You got to apply. I said, no, dad, that's stupid. not going do it. Um, but anyway, we shot a little video. It took us like five minutes. And they said, hey, we like your story. So they came to Peru. They shot us for three days. Um, and we were international movie stars for all of like 22
1: minutes. <laughs> it's all fake, right? Like the whole house center thing. Like they're not really, like you didn't really. I didn't sign anything so I can say how it really is. Yeah. Um,
2: give us a scoop, man. It's a It's. A, it, it's it's a it's a retelling shall we say of, of our of our journey so um for us we actually the house they said we lived in we never lived in <laughs> but um, it was our best friend's house down there so it was it was all kind of part of our journey and um we we lost money in that deal they pay a little bit of money but after paying taxes babysitting all the food for the family for those three days it was it, it was uh, we were in the
1: hole <laughs> they, they came out they came out no matter what kind of international funds it is they won that deal. they okay. did they did a lot well, of fun though we did watch it though i did you? you? Oh, of course. Okay, that was awesome. Good. Like, yeah, we've watched that crazy show for, for years. <laughs> if, if a buddy's going to be on there, we're for sure watching. We loved it. Love it. So I was so excited to have you here, Matt, on so many levels. One on a friendship level. I just like you being at my house, so that's that's always a plus. Uh, we just got to hang out last week, so that, that was fun. But I think watching... Your heart uh, for married couples, knowing that you guys have had a great marriage, you're saying, you know, feel really blessed in that. I don't think that's happened by accident with you guys, right. though. I think I know you well enough to know that you guys have worked on it personally yep. and as a couple. And you've been working with Winshape, mm-hmm. which is has marriage intensives and retreats. Talk a little bit about Winshape and the purpose of Winshape.
2: Yeah, so um, Winshape was started about 35 years ago by Truett Cathy, owner of Chick-fil-A. Uh, started with a college program, leadership program. Since then, we've branched into foster homes, a retreat facility in Rome, Georgia, on the campus of Berry College, uh, teams ministry, camps around the country, uh, serving all sorts of kids in summer camp. And then uh, the latest one is Winshape Marriage, just started about uh, 16 years ago. So I get to direct that, uh, and it's so fun because we've got an amazing team together that um, is – is so passionate about serving couples at whatever stage of relationship they're in. So whether they're trying to get ready for marriage, we have things for premarital couples. If they're looking for some encouragement in their marriage, we're helping couples there. Whether they're a blended family or um, they have a kid with special needs, we have a, a retreat for parents who have kids with special needs, very near and dear to my heart. We adopted a little girl with some special needs, and so that's one of my, my favorite weekends to always be up at shape for that one. Uh, we have stuff around sexual intimacy. We have uh, stuff for empty nesters. So we're just trying to hit couples wherever they're at and say, hey, if this is where, where where you're struggling or where you kind of feel stuck, we've got something to give you a little bit of encouragement, just help you take that next step. Um, for couples who feel really stuck or who want to kind of find a breakthrough in their marriage, we have our marriage intensives, which are uh, four-day clinical experiences, five couples, two Christian therapists, and uh, up at the beautiful campus at, at Windshape. And that's like that's the deep dive. I mean, that's the that's the hardcore stuff. My wife and I have been through an intensive ourselves, um, and I tell you what, like the the power of that experience is is it's it's so hard to describe without going through it, you know. So that's what I always feel like I'm at a loss for words there. But couples there get the chance to look deep inside their heart, deep inside their 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 spirit, their soul, if you will, and say, all right, what's really going on, and like mm-hmm. what is keeping me from having the relationship that I always wanted to have with my spouse. And more often than not, we find that it's something, you know, that we bring into marriage from back in the day, whether it's mom and dad, whether it's um, somebody else influential in our life. um, We bring those, I say traumas with a little T, you know, not trauma with a capital T necessarily, but but little traumas in life. And trauma is really just the absence of nurture. So if you describe it that way, all those times where we felt like this absence of nurture in our life, that led us to act in a certain way. We bring those maladaptive ways of acting into our marriage, and we got to figure that out and get over that stuff.
1: What are some examples of some lowercase, did you say lowercase t's? Lowercase t's, Lowercase t's. Give me those types of trauma. Because trauma is... It's a big word and i feel like it's been a it's a buzzword a little bit yeah. right now i don't you know i may be late to the dance on that but it does feel like i'm hearing that you know not just from a counseling standpoint but people are talking about trauma what is yeah. it what is it tell me the difference between a capital t trauma and a little t trauma i think
2: most people think of a capital t trauma like a a sexual assault a mm-hmm. rape seeing something that would cause ptsd you know post traumatic stress disorder so seeing a life threatening situation whether you're in the military or you know you saw something really tragic that, that scares you like that's the the big T capital T trauma um the little T traumas are those things that like you, you're there and you, you go through it and you're not quite sure like what did i just experience and why do i feel this this weirdness in my in my stomach in my heart something feels wrong about that mm. so i suppose for me even like little T traumas would be things that um, Messages that I probably got from my parents Mm -hmm. that weren't necessarily the message they were trying to give me, but they were the message that I interpreted as a nine-year-old kid, Mm -hmm. you know, there who says that you got to perform to be loved. Like Mm -hmm. that—that's my personal story. Like that's—that's my Mm -hmm. trauma with a little T that I brought into my marriage. That if I don't perform, if I'm not the best at what I do. Or the best husband, or the best father—that people can't actually love me. Mm. My parents never told me that; like that was never the message they wanted to give me. But somehow that was a message that I received, and mm. so for me that was kind of that trauma that I've had to work through over the years. Because if I have, if I have to perform and be loved, like there's no room for grace in my life, mm. and that's been a a big challenge in my marriage.
1: Was it performing in sports, grades, all, all, all the above? Yeah,
2: I mean, I was a uh, I did I did great at sports. Um, I was, I was pretty smart as a kid. I was straight A's through my doctorate, you know? Mm -hmm. So like I actually got one B my entire academic career. It was in England. I don't even count it. (laughs) It was in England.
1: I don't count it. That's right. Across the pond, grades. That does not influence uh, your uh, performance. I love that. (laughs) No, that makes, that makes sense. And like you said, they didn't mean to, right? They didn't mean to do that, but at the same time it happened. and, And you said it was absence of nurture that they didn't pick up on. You know, I guess nurturing would have been, hey buddy, it feels like you get really nervous right before your baseball games. Like you know that if you strike out that we're still you're still love, yeah. right, buddy? Yeah. Like you know what's going on here. That didn't happen. Right. And so and not all the time. Like I don't want
2: to vilify my mom and dad because oh, they're of amazing course not. folks, and most right. people have parents who care for them, mm-hmm. but they care for them in the best way they know how, sure. and they kind of bring to the table the stuff, their little T traumas from their childhood, so they're doing the best they can, and hopefully we're all progressing towards a deeper and greater, more Christ-like love, mm-hmm. but still, we kind of act out of that which we know, mm-hmm. and so they acted the best out of what they knew. It's like I'm screwing up my kids right now <laughs> as, as we speak. Um, but I'm doing the best I can to kind of love them in a way that's different, I think, than um, the way I interpreted my parents' love. And so who knows what my, my kids' issues are going to be, but they're going to they're have them
1: at some point. We all we all do. I tell my kids all the time, you know, I've got to give you some material for the counselor. <laughs> okay, I've got to, you know, the counseling's good for you, so I'm going to make Amen. sure I'm doing that. But so you said we bring these maladaptive behaviors into marriage. So you bring in this thing of, Hey, I need to perform and be a good husband. Talk a little bit about bringing that dynamic into your marriage and how that impacted it in good and bad ways. Yeah. There are Uh any good ways yeah well
2: so so seriously what what what's interesting about that is that because I wanted to be such a good husband, I did everything I could to be a great husband, and that got me by for probably ten years okay so like i was I was a pretty good dude, my wife's a pretty neat lady, but what we realized was that more than trying to have a deep relationship, we were trying to have a relationship free of conflict, you know, mm. free of any of those failures, and so it wasn't until about 10 years in, when I was doing my, my graduate work for Gary Smalley, of all places, in Branson, Missouri, um, that I, I attended my first marriage intensive. I was just observing. My wife wasn't there. Um, but I was there, and I realized for the first time that you know I had never let my wife had a, have a negative emotion around me, because mm. her negative emotions meant that I was a failure. Mm. And I wasn't necessarily equating those right away, but when I saw it in, in, in this process, I thought, holy smokes, Like I have, I have squashed her. I've basically taken away a part of her heart, and not let her be who she needs to be. And it was, it was a huge eye-opening experience for me. So I came home, and instead of her saying, hey, you know what? Like, the, uh, the yard needs to be mowed. Like, I would take that as, you're a loser. You can't mow the yard. She was just saying the yard needs to be mowed. Right. Um, and it was a fa- I, was, I was a mm-hmm. failure when, I, when she said that. So I said, instead of that, okay, I hear you. Yeah, the yard needs to be mowed. And suddenly it wasn't an accusation she had against me. It was just a comment. And so I came from a, a place of health then, and I could actually mow the yard or whatever, whatever the, the situation was, you know, but that was different for me.
1: So what would be your response before health when she said, hey, can you mow the, can you mow the lawn? Jerk. <laughs> you know, like She's I just... Kind of frustrated and...
2: Absolutely. Like, why would you... Why do you need to bring that up? Like, you got your own junk. You got to take care of that. Mm-hmm. And so I was always... Turning around, I was pointing the fingers at her. I was laying the blame on her. Why would you say stuff like that to me? That's mean. That's rude. You got your own stuff. And so it was always just this this accusatory posture I took with her mm-hmm. that belittled her, quite frankly. And it, you know, and truthfully, let's face it, it probably kind of scared her and like made it less and less likely for her to share her heart with me mm-hmm. because I wasn't a safe place for her to kind of open up and be real about what she was experiencing.
1: Yeah, I've got buddies, and it feels like it can be across the board for men, and I guess this can be true for women too. Is the only correct emotion is I'm happy and I'm pleased. You know, yeah. With you know, if I've had, got a buddy, and if his wife is not happy and pleased, then he takes it all personally. And I told him one day, I said, "Buddy, it may not have anything to do with you. She may have had a bad day at work. Yep. She may be struggling with the kids. She just may be having a bad day. How difficult it must be for her." to not to be able to have any emotions. Because yeah. he would use her as the barometer yeah. of how am I doing? Which I think I've done that in the past with Nancy, because I'm a performer, I'm wanting to see how am I doing. And the only one is you're trying to be a good husband or a good spouse that can tell you if you are or you aren't is your spouse. And then boy, that puts them in a lot of a lot of tough spot. Yeah. So you talked about getting to a place to health and I want to get there in just a minute because that's where we want to go with this thing is, how do I improve my marriage by working on my own stuff? And I've shared this a couple of times on the podcast. Um, When Nice and I got married, I say that, you know, if you equate baggage to luggage, I brought, you know, a U Haul truck's (laughs) worth and she had a makeup kit, right? Right. And so I just constantly, you know, marriage, we say it doesn't uh, bring out the worst in you, it reveals the brokenness in you. And I felt like, you know, I didn't feel all these things before we got married. So whose fault is this? It's got to be at least some hers, yep. right? Yep. And so I would just always, I can't believe you didn't do this. I can't, this, I can't believe you didn't do this. And my very quiet wife screams at me one day. She goes, what do you want me to do? And I remember having this moment where I didn't have an answer. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so that's when I started counseling on my own. hmm and I stayed there a really long time. It <laughs> took a whole long time to go through the U-Haul truck and I still am going through it to yeah. it this day. But it was I realized really quickly that for our marriage to work that I I was broken and I had to work. I had to do whatever it takes. And so a lot of times with couples, I'll say, Hey, before you do the counseling thing together, maybe you split up. Yeah. And I know you're very passionate about that. And that always when I say that uh, to couples, I kind of get an odd response. Or like, "What are you talking about? I need to go work on me." Um, you know, we've all heard that when you know, when we get married, we're we're marrying each other's baggage, right? We're marrying you know our spouse and the things that they're bringing in. They're marrying us. You know, if we're marrying each other's history and one of us has some issues, and I think we're all going to have issues. We all do. And we haven't dealt with those in a healthy way. How can that impact our marriage? We've talked a little bit about that, but Unpack that a little bit more. You know,
2: it uh, was one of the Greek philosophers that said the unexamined life is not worth living. And, mm-hmm. and that's not scripture, but but it's kind of true And that, like, I think if you don't examine and take the deep dive into the stuff that you bring to the table in your marriage, you're just going to repeat patterns. Because at some point early on in life with those little T traumas, you've learned to... Uh, to respond and to succeed. I mean, if you're here listening to this podcast or we're here having this conversation at some level, we have learned to survive. We've learned to, to do, to, to do life in a way that works for us. So, so, so we're making it, but it may not be like the best way, you know? And so a lot of people bring that old stuff from those early days, um, into marriage and 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 it works for a while, you know. But but it's kind of like it's it's what I would call white knuckling it. You're just you're 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 grinning and bearing it, but but like you're you're in the grind, uh, but you're not really succeeding in a, in a safe, deep, intimate way with your spouse mm. in a way that feels like marriage is a place of rest. Like, mm. wouldn't it be nice if you could just connect with your spouse intimately? And I'm not talking about sex, talking about talking, you know, and emotions, but like, wouldn't it be great if you just connect and feel like, oh, this is, it's, it's like I had these two Barca loungers back in the day when I lived in Minnesota and they were red leather. And I remember I used to sit in these things and they kind of had my, my, the, Imprint of my my backside in them because I'd set them so many times. I put all my kids to bed in them when they were sick or when they were you know infants, and like they were the perfect, comfortable chair because it just felt like it fit me. And wouldn't that be a cool metaphor for marriage if mm-hmm. we could have uh, this place where we just fit, where it just mm-hmm. feels like okay, this is good. But because we bring that old stuff in. We, we just don't get there sometimes. So I guess I'm kind of losing lose, I'm losing my train of thought, but I think the important thing we have to do is that when we look and we say, okay, how am I relating to my spouse? How am I connecting to her or to him? Um, and is there a better way? Like would there be a way that I could do this differently that would say, okay, this this way of relating right now, it's more about me than mm-hmm. about love. Than more about like the marriage. So I guess when when couples ask those questions, they might be surprised at the answer sometimes. Mm-hmm. But but I guarantee if you start to examine that, you start to look a little bit deeper, you'll you'll find a new level of vulnerability and intimacy in your marriage.
1: Well, and it's you know we were talking about before we started recording. You know, someone's listening to this, and you're saying, hey, you got to deal with this stuff. You need to deal with this. You know, little T traumas, big T traumas, you need to deal with that. That's a scary thing. That's a scary thing. You give the analogy, so when you first started doing this, that you didn't realize that there was a safety net. Talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that.
2: Yeah, I remember the first time I went into counseling And it was for stuff that I recognized was like a problem in my marriage. But I I think early on, because I was in, you know, grad school for psychology, like I had a little bit more insight than I think I would have had before grad school. But I thought there's some work I got to do on myself to kind of fix this stuff. So I remember the first time I went to a counselor, it literally felt like I was standing on the edge of a cliff and just looking down and thinking, okay, there's this other side over there, past this cliff or past this canyon that I've got to get to, that's health over there. I don't have a stinking clue how to get over there. And there's just this deep chasm right here. But how do I get from this point to over there, not knowing, like you say, safety net, like it just looked like this was his bottomless pit. I think there was like Indiana Jones had one of those movies mm. where he's trying to walk across this big canyon and he doesn't know what it is. He can't see the bottom. And um, like, he, he kind of has to take that first step of faith. Mm. When you take that first step of faith, for me, it felt like I was just gonna fall and fall and fall and fall and not know where kind of the bottom of me, where, where, where my grounding, where I could find that, that grounding place. Mm. Um, but when I took that first step of faith, It's like, okay, God's got me. Like the safety net Mm -hmm. was right there. Um, The process for me was such that as I began to get deeper and deeper into my wounds and into um, who I was created to be, what I was really excited about, and I think what was really powerful for me was that, okay, God actually created somebody (laughs) that I like. You know, Mm -hmm. like I actually ended up liking myself Mm -hmm. and I felt like I could trust myself and I felt like there were some deep truths with a capital T, not Mm -hmm. truths with little t, but big truths about myself that I'd never been aware of. But I think it always been there. I wasn't mm-hmm. creating some new truth. I was I was discovering a new truth about myself and who God created me to be that helped me come to my relationship, come to my marriage, out of a place of health
1: mm-hmm. and wholeness. I love Does that. That make any sense? No, yeah. it makes it makes total sense. And you know, I'm thinking, you know, you're a psychologist and you were scared to death. You're a psychologist oh, feeling yeah. like, you know, I'm going to hit the bottom. I think a lot of people they run at a four or five. They would rank their marriage a four or five. Uh, I had someone tell me the other day. Their wife said, I am not going to live the rest of our marriage at a four. Mm. And I said, how do you feel about that? And he goes, oh, I could totally live the rest of my marriage as a four. <laughs> he goes, because I just wow. don't, don't want to deal with all this. Stuff. Yeah. Because he had lots of capital T's, little t traumas. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't want to do this. And she's like, well, if you're staying with me, you are. Because yeah. she said, I just can't do this anymore. And I ache for couples when you say, or individuals, you say, you need to go to a counselor and they're scared to death. Or men feel like you've just looked at them and said, uh, do you have a Sharpie? I'm going to write loser on your head. <laughs> right. When you suggest counseling, I remember working at a church and I, when I started counseling, I asked the counselor, kind of come in the back door? Mm. And now, Nancy and I shout from the rooftops in front of lots of people, counseling, counseling, but I never want to forget that moment. I never want to forget, one, I didn't want to do it, and two, there was some shame in that. Mm -hmm. Why do you think there's so much shame around seeking help from a counselor? Well,
2: I... I i speak from the, the men's perspective first. You know, I mean, so much of what men want to be known for, or who they want to be, is like enough. Like we want to be, mm-hmm. we can do it. You you want that message from your dad, from your mom, from significant others growing up that you can do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you go to a counselor, sometimes it's like saying, "Well, I guess I can't." But what, what's interesting is that that's a temporary feeling. Like when you start diving down deep enough, you realize, hold on. I can do it. I am enough. I am worthy. Mm-hmm. All these things that we got to be careful because they can get a little bit psycho Um, But like at our deepest core, like God made. He didn't make junk, you mm. know? He made something very, very special. He made somebody who can do it, somebody who mm. is worthwhile. But you got to kind of move past that stuff uh, that gets in the way of recognizing that. So, guys, mm. you know, it's always a, a, it, it's a crazy thing because you think, I don't really want to go talk to somebody else, share my dirty laundry, and have this person tell me what I'm doing wrong because mm. I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, I'm all right. But when you're able to admit some of that stuff, like, that's a, a, a like, the strength to do that is crazy. Mm-hmm. It takes way more strength, way more courage to go talk to somebody and say, "Hey, I don't think I have it all figured out." Cuz in that process, you actually are going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you you're just faking it. <laughs> keep on faking it.
1: <laughs> keep keep on keeping on keep on faking it and but to watch it's so great. You know, I've I've pointed so many couples to you, Matt, towards the intensive, towards WinShape yeah. and and all the questions are, you know, especially with men, you know, are they gonna get mad at me? Are they gonna, are they gonna embarrass me in front of my wife? Are they gonna embarrass me in front of, you know, a small group of people to tell these are all the things you did wrong? And I just I just can't overemphasize enough to them. No, it's not that at all. Right. It's not that at all. And when couples have come back, and I probably have three couples in my life where it literally saved their marriage. Oh yeah. At least. Uh, I wish I had a better success rate in talking people to go, into going. (laughs) But I will say this. Those that do are batting a 1,000. But it is, you know, they just have these moments that are just so powerful. And it was for me, too. And Once people do it, like once just, uh, even if you have to go through the back door, but once you're there and once you're in shape, like you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's not going to kill you. Nope. If you can, if you can just do it. All right. I knew I was going to do this, Matt. I'm all over the place, but I I love what you guys are doing. So I'm going to back up just a little bit. We've got some very uh, linear questions that I'm going to need to ask you so that people actually go, Oh, this is what we do with all this, these words. Um, all right. When you talk to couples who are stuck or they're struggling, how often are their problems related to something unresolved that one of them hasn't addressed? It's the individual things. Yeah. Um, well,
2: you, you start out as an individual in marriage, so I mean, probably the the vast majority <laughs> of stuff is right. individual. It's the way you're looking at it. The difference between reality and what your expectations are—that's where you're going to find disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you got if you got some type of disappointment in your relationship and your marriage, it's because you're thinking that it should be a certain way and it's not. Mm-hmm. So let's figure out what that discrepancy is, what that difference is, and let's take care of that. But far and away, when we start looking at things, when when I start looking at things in a different lens, in my marriage, 95% of stuff kind of gets taken care of. I realized that mm. that wasn't my wife. That wasn't her. That was all about me. It was my, you know, stupid, stinking thinking. It was, it was mm. stuff that I was bringing to the table that had nothing to do, do with her. It was my weird expectations or stuff that I was acting out of my fears or out of my pain, all that stuff. So,
1: so how often are are people's responses directed at what their spouse is doing wrong instead of how they can improve,
2: dude? That, that's crazy because I get I get calls from people who want to come to intensives, and you know it's like, oh, my spouse, my wife, she's doing this, man. Come on, can you can? And it's basically they're not saying it so much because I think we've heard enough in in modern culture to not go there. But people are basically saying, my spouse is nuts. Can you fix them? Um, and I want to be careful about saying that because that's not always the case. But but really, in essence, like. Fix him, fix her. Um, and and we got to start with ourselves first. You know, the whole thing, mm-hmm. don't point the finger because what something's pointing back at you. But if we can help couples to say, or individuals in that relationship, to say, okay, what do I bring to the table that maybe not that's it, maybe not the best? What's not working here, mm-hmm. if we take that personal responsibility and then we show up in our marriage out of a place of health and wholeness
0: mm-hmm.
2: in our own perspective, then you have happy marriage. Like, then you have a healthy marriage. It, it, you're, you're really able to grow out of a place of wholeness as opposed to white knuckling, like we've talked about before. Yeah.
1: It, and I don't know if I heard it from you. I've heard it a lot recently. And I love it. You know, draw a circle around yourself and you're responsible for changing the person inside the circle. I, don't, I think people look outside the circle and say, boy, if you would just do this or you just do that. But it's so empowering when you say to people, hey, It's kind of about you, which I think people, you know, they're knee-jerk. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Have you seen? Wait till I tell you. Exactly. Uh, But it's an empowering moment to go, wait a minute. I've got power here because I can change me. I'm responsible for this. Who's responsible for this relationship? I am. Yeah. And that's, that's empowering. And you're right. It's... It's funny, you watch people change because they've changed the lens in which they look at the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what happens at Windshape. You're giving people new goggles to see, to see things. Yeah,
2: let me, let me say this. Here's something I wanna add. I, I think it's so cool. And I think that over the years, I've come to realize that most of us, the vast majority of us, in our marriage actually have what it takes. And mm-hmm. so I believe in people who come to counseling. I believe 110% in people who are willing to say, you know what, like this has been a challenge, but we're going to overcome this or this has been a challenge, I don't know if we're going to overcome this, but I believe in in the innate ability of people to show up and to remove kind of the the junk that overlays our heart, all those little T traumas, big T traumas, you push that stuff aside and deep down, like we were created to love. We were created to to be attached to to other people, to to our savior. And in that, like I think God's given us that ability to do that. So we just gotta help people. All we want to do is set the stage for that to happen. Like we, we, the the partners that we have that provide these intensives, great programming, great content. It's amazing the experiences, everything we put together. But end of the day, like the the, the curative, the healing factor, it, it it's the Holy Spirit. It's what's been birthed inside of us from really, you know, from childhood, from from the moment of our creation. Like that ability to connect is there, and so. I may be sounding all, all frou frou and nope. hugging a tree, but like I, I just believe in people. Um, and it's kind of like people. I say, hey, Turvy, how do you, how do you sit and listen to people's problems all day long and not, you know, um, go to the bottle or, <laughs> or, <laughs> or whatever? Right. It's because I believe in people who, who who are willing to be vulnerable and who are willing to say, we're we're going to take steps to change this. Like mm-hmm. I, I have absolute confidence and hope. And faith in everybody coming to me that
1: we can't get through this. That's so powerful. And, you know, counselors, I'll tell people like, they, I, didn't, I went to counselor and I didn't like him or I didn't like her. And I'm saying, counselors are a little bit like shoes. Sometimes you have to try on different pairs. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I'm almost coming out of the seat because you just made it really clear to me why I feel like people are so drawn to you and even me personally is that you believe in people. You believe believe in got in these people to go, I believe if they show up, I believe in them. And you think about what does every kid want to hear? I I believe in you. (laughs) Like every kid, I I believe you can do this, not from a performance standpoint, but I believe in you and I believe that there's goodness in you. That That is so powerful, man. And I think that's, you know, if people are thinking about, hey, finding a counselor, you know, if you ever get the feeling that they don't believe in you, might be time to go shopping. Find a different one. Go shopping. Exactly. But that is people to show up. And I love that from a who you are in terms of, I know women get so much out of it. I know they do. But I think I love it when I see guys champion for other guys. Amen. And I yeah. feel like that's, that's what you do. I feel like you not beating up men, but believing in men and championing them and their wives, it's what sets you apart. Hmm. And I think it's what we call, you know, Marriage help or marriage ministry two cool. because men have been beaten up. Oh yeah, and it's easy, right? It's easy to to play that you're a relational idiot, mm-hmm. or you're you're just a buffoon. You don't get anything. Uh, where I feel like you, you know, I don't know if it comes from sp- you know playing sports or what, but just you know to rally the team and rally you know individuals to say you can do this, man. Let's let's go. I love that. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. All right, Matt, you know, you do believe in people and Absolutely. I think, and you believe in the process and you believe when those two things, you know, coincide, when they collide, when somebody shows up to show up for their lives and show up for themselves individually, that things uh, can change. Talk a little bit about, you've got a program called Prodigal Love, you know, says so it takes a deep dive. What does that look like? Yeah, uh, I'm super excited about that program. That's
2: the first time we've done a, a marriage experience for individuals. Okay, all our marriage retreats for years have been you and your spouse come together, um, and 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 that works. I mean, that's awesome. But I think like we've been talking about, there's times where you got to do some of your own stuff first before you can really show up and be in that process with your spouse. So Prodigal Love is all about that. We're bringing in um, some friends from on-site workshops in Nashville, Tennessee, or outside of Nashville, uh, and they're bringing their program to us with with, uh, some Christian therapists, and so we call it a personal growth intensive. Um, But the, the whole idea about that experience is to help folks slow down, get rid of your cell phone, <laughs> you know, get, get rid of all that stuff, be anonymous, be who you are. You know, psychology sometimes talks about you're a human being, not a human doing, so we're going to put away all this doing stuff. You're going to be a being here, um, and you're just going to be in a group, uh, a small group setting where you have the chance to take that kind of dive off the cliff, if you will. And what I can tell people is that while the, the, that, that cliff diving may sound like a scary experience, the the folks who will facilitate that experience and lead you through it are incredibly safe. And mm. when you know that you can trust someone, you know that they're safe and they're not going to let you go. They're going to they're going to walk you through this process. They're going to take that dive with you actually. These are people who've done their own work in very substantial ways. When you get in that process, you suddenly are going to find some healing. Like I just mm. again, like I like I trust people. I know that if you if you Trust the work. If you trust that process, that that kind of we're setting in front of you, change is going to happen, and you're going to find new healing. So the, the the process itself is pretty simple. It's 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 about thirty folks. We divide into three small groups. Um, we have uh, experiential activities that that folks will walk through that will help them explore all sorts of different parts of their lives. And I don't want to give away too much of the secret sauce, um, <laughs> but I, I just know that I've been through it myself, so I want to say that I I went through this process about two years ago. And I can tell you, it was the first time in my life where I felt the grace of Jesus, like in my gut, like mm-hmm. in a way that I had never experienced before, and um, it was powerful. So I, I'm hoping we can recreate a sense of that experience for individuals that come to Prodigal Love.
1: I love that. You know, talked about trauma. I feel like sometimes people stay away from counseling, and they stay away for something that you're talking about because. It feels like it's going to be traumatic. Mm, yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, I'm going to a counselor now, and she talks about, hey, it can be traumatic to talk about yeah. the trauma itself. Yeah. But what she's put around my life and what she puts around the process is the safety. Yep. Yep. You know? There's been times she goes, oh, no, we're not going to talk about that today. That We we can't get to the end of that. I can't make you feel safe on the other side of that because we don't have enough time. Right. But that takes a pro, right? Yeah. Everyone's fears. oh, what's it going to feel like when it bring it to the top? Will it kill me? You know, will it be so traumatic? It won't kill you.
2: Like, that. that's the thing. Yeah. That which doesn't kill us makes us stronger. I, but I don't <laughs> want to... Kelly <laughs> and somebody else. Okay. Yeah, probably a lot of people have said that. Yeah. But, you know, it, like... It's true. You're going to be in a safe place to explore that stuff. And, and nobody is going to go further than they want to go mm. or further than they can go. So the, the professionals who, who, who conduct these experiences know what they're talking about and they know how to get people in a safe place. So I, I would encourage people, don't be afraid of the stuff. I mean, it's not going to be easy. I'm not going to promise that it's going to be easy. I'm going to, In fact, I'm going to tell you, it will be hard. I'm going to tell you that um, there will be some work, there will be some tears, but like you you can do it.
0: You can do it. You can.
2: I love that, Matt. So give us a couple of stories. Is it cool if I just kind of share my own? Of course, because <laughs> I, I, I want to be careful with the folks I've worked with. Um, I don't want to reveal anything about people who 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 who've gone through this stuff, but my own story was uh, that I went through a process very similar to the, the prodigal love. it It's where it comes from for myself, because about uh, well about six years ago, we adopted a little girl from China, a uh, beautiful little girl. And when she came home, like, I was having some weirdness. I was having some stuff. I was, I was angry. I was an angry, angry man at a two-and-a-half-year-old, beautiful little girl from China, and I had no idea why. Like, I thought, this is weird. Why would I be—where's well, this anger coming from? What the heck? It was affecting how I was handling my my other three kids. It was affecting how I was being a husband to Nicole. And so, in in the kind of the process, I found I found uh, on site who who's bringing the prodigal love to to win shape. And I said, I'm going to go experience their program. So I went, and not once in the week long experience did we talk about me as a dad. It was really interesting. I thought, when are we going to talk about me as a dad? That's why I'm here, y'all. I'm here because mm-hmm. I'm angered this girl, and I don't know what's going on. But instead, we started going back. We started looking at um, the messages uh, that I had received in life early on. And what I began to realize was that this whole idea I talked about earlier about me being love for performance was there. So in, in this one example of, a, of an exercise that we did, I, I was talking to different people and we asked other people to, it's called psychodrama. So you asked people to kind of play a role for you, and you get to talk to them. So you just relive some experiences early on in life. And I, my, our final day, I asked somebody to kind of play the role of my wife, somebody to play the role of each of my kids, and I went down the row, and I apologized to each of them. I said, I'm so sorry. You know how I've not been there for you. I've been angry. Um, I, I, I've, I've failed each of you. Here's how i failed you. Will you forgive me? And so the other person didn't really respond, you know, because they're just an actor, an actress, <clears throat> Then we flipped the, the 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 role and I went to play, you know, my wife who, and that person would repeat and all the, all this process. It sounds really weird when you explain it outside, outside of the experience. And the therapist said, okay, great job, Matt. Way to go. He goes, we done? I said, yeah. And I said, no, hold on. We're not done. Can I ask somebody to play Jesus? Can I bring somebody up here to, to be Jesus for me? So I remember sitting, you know, Indian style on the floor. And this other person's over here sitting cross-legged over here and we're talking and I apologized, I remember, to Jesus for, for failing. And that was always the message that I got from childhood, that I was kind of a failure. So I said, Jesus, I'm sorry for being a failure. Said all that, we switched roles. I went over here to play Jesus, talking to, to little Matthew. And Jesus said to me, he said, Matthew, I hear you. I appreciate your, your um, confessing all these things and saying you are a failure. But you know what, Matthew? cause I delight in you. Mm. And when I heard myself say that to me coming from Jesus, like that changed everything, man. Like mm. when I heard Jesus say I delight in you, it was the probably the first time in my life when I knew that I knew that I knew that there was grace for me. Mm. And when I experienced that grace, I became a better husband, a better father, a better boss, a better colleague it, it literally changed everything man because I came I was able to act out of a place of, of grace and wholeness and redemption as opposed to this this person who's trying to measure up who's trying to take care of everything on his own I wasn't anymore like I've got it like my foundation is set Jesus delights in me that's what I had to hear when I heard that absolutely everything changed for me
1: because what was the two and a half here oh bringing out was she having a tough time and You're frustrated because I'm not, if I was doing this better, she would be okay. Like what, what button was that pushing? So it it was like with my, with my bio
2: kids, we just connected, you know, it was just always there. It was easy. It was natural no big deal. But with our little girl from from Maya is her name, Mm -hmm. like we'd try to connect. We'd try to have these moments and I just get this blank stare. And I like I I didn't know what was behind the blanks there. I I wanted to shake her, say well, like who's in there? What's in there? can't do that to a kid. Can't do that to anybody. But like I, I just I said like who are you? What's going on? Why do you not respond in the same way that these other kids do? Mm-hmm. And that just it it, it killed me. And, and mm-hmm. I saw my wife with the same experience. You know we, we just didn't know what to do. We were at wit's end, and not knowing what to do drove me to anger. It drives some people to depression, you know, mm. but for me, it drove me to anger. And I said, this can't work. I can't. Why would anybody be mad at an infant like that? Basically, I was mad if she, she you know, when her diaper, like kids are supposed to do that. <laughs> you know? mm. But for me, I couldn't control it. Mm. So out of control, not connecting, completely confused, a, a new thing, didn't have a clue what to do with that.
1: Mm. So it's like, hey, when that button gets pushed, for you, it's anger. Another person, it may be, hey, I'm going to get really, really quiet. I'm going to disconnect from her. Yep. No one's going to notice quite as much because, you know, I'm a little bit quieter. But at the same time, I'm I'm stopping. Absolutely. Or somebody may be, you know, I'm going to work longer, whatever. But for you...
2: Yeah, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be porn, it could be overwork, performance, whatever it is. Mm. And for me, because I tend to be more active and try to control stuff, Mm. it was, okay, I'm just going to get angry. I'm going to try to control her and tell her what she needs to do and make her do it when she doesn't do it. It frustrates me more, on and on and on. That cycle continues. So I had to get out of that deal.
1: Mm. That's so powerful. So we always, on the podcast, we want to give people one simple thing. We obviously want people to check out Prodigal Love, and that's going to be in our show notes. We obviously want people to do that. We obviously want people, you know, a lot of people to go ahead and, you know, make a point with a counselor or, you know, a lot of times the finances aren't there maybe, but it's talk to a pastor or even talking to a mentor. Like to start opening that stuff up is powerful. What is, you know, when you think about, you know, all these people are listening to this podcast, different spot. Is there one simple thing that everybody can do that you think, to start moving in this direction toward owning your own stuff and starting to process that? I'd probably say that, and let me go back to the Old
2: Testament story. I remember the story of Jacob wrestling with the angel in the Old Testament, right? So he was wrestling with with an angel. Some texts even say it was God, you know, whoever whoever it is. I don't know the theology around that, but the story is that he was wrestling with somebody who thought was divine. End of the day, you know, he, he doesn't really win, doesn't really lose, but he makes it throughout the fight. God touches his hip and he changes his name, right? He changes his name to Israel. Israel means struggles with God. And so for me, what I hope people recognize is that the struggle, the struggle with God, it's okay. Like, it's just, it's it's life. Like, it's okay to be in tension with the Lord. It's okay to, to recognize that, hey, things aren't the way I want them to be. And sometimes I think we get so frustrated that things aren't how I want them to be. That drives us to some type of behavior, uh, some medicating behavior, whether it's overwork, whether it's uh, depression, depressive stuff, whether it's alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever it is, people need to recognize, I think, that, hey, it's okay sometimes to be in that struggle and say, what's that struggle about? Like, If you can start to just shift the lens and say, what's going on? Like, Why am I doing this over that, if mm-hmm. you start asking yourself that question and looking inside your heart, I think you might begin to find a different answer. So, does that make yeah? Like, out time, feel, does that make any sense well, when, when, when you I say feel that? feel
1: something like my reaction is not matching the situation, like what I'm doing, or this this internal angst, or I'm doing something that I want to do. You're saying, wait a minute, it's okay not to be okay. Just pause. Yeah. and go. What is, What is this? Yeah. Like, what is really happening then I'm getting frustrated with the two year olds or you know we just stopped at a nine year old and eleven year old girls. Yeah. And they're very, very different. Yeah. And the oldest one is she's hurt and she's um and she's angry. Uh the little one's needy. <laughs> she and I do great. You're needy, great. I love to meet needs. You got it. You need a hug, I'm your man. Yeah. You need encouraging, I'm your guy. You want to go to the father daughter dance? Let's go. I'll twirl you around. I'll come to the front door, knock on the door, we'll go it'll be great. The oldest one Is angry Mm -hmm. and disrespectful Mm -hmm. and all these things, and it is wow. If this is ever going to make me love like Jesus, my response has to be my response to him instead of my response to her behavior. Because as long as I'm doing that, but I hear from you is to say when you feel that, don't run from it. Look at it and go, what is what is this? Recognize, and you'll survive. Right? Absolutely. It won't kill you.
2: It won't recognize (laughs) as part of the struggle, and then say, all right, Lord creating me a clean heart, you know, mm-hmm. guiding me. What's my next step? Give me wisdom. Make my path straight. All the, all those mm-hmm. prayers, I, 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 I'm always comfortable with a prayer for wisdom because I always think God will answer that prayer. Mm-hmm. And so what's the wisdom that you need in your life right now in this situation? Go to him. I think he's there. But it does take this moment of stopping and saying, all right, mm-hmm. what's What's up? <laughs> What's going on? Maybe it's more about me than about mm. the outside situation. And when you ask that question, you can actually control your response as opposed to feeling like the world around you is beating you up. You can mm. suddenly say, hold on, what can I do in this situation? And then you have a, a better perspective, a healthier perspective, and you feel empowered. And quite frankly, once you kind of feel that empowerment and that ability to change and be uh, a change agent in your own life, it's a, you're going you're gonna to come to life in a very different way.
1: I love it. Well, I'm glad you got to be Matt or Doctor Matt Turvey. <laughs> I, I get, I love the fact that you got to be Matt to a lot of people today, buddy. Thanks, man. I love that. Appreciate uh, you. you know, people are driving and maybe they're hurting and or they're running, going, trying to figure out life, trying to figure all this out, and you've got somebody going, "You can do this. You can do this." Because I know if they were here, you would be dancing up and down, going, "You can do this. You can do this." <laughs> so, thanks for doing what you do. We're going to put in our show notes. We're going to put a link to Wind Retreats, which you said is Barry College in Rome, Georgia, with the Marriage Intensives. We're gonna put a link to Prodigal Love if someone's interested in that. And just thank you for doing what you do, buddy. I cannot tell you, I'm an evangelist for, for, for WinShape and what <laughs> thanks, you do, man. so uh, I know that a lot of families and generations are gonna be impacted. goes uh, both ways. Forever, so thanks yeah. for being here, buddy.
0: Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by the Married People Membership. The Married People Membership is an affordable monthly subscription that gives married couples like you a ton of great resources every month. That's like date nights, videos, eBooks, messages, and more all to help you make your marriage better. We are so excited about this resource and you can buy it for yourself or give it away as an anniversary gift to your spouse or another couple whose marriage you want to into. And if you want to learn more, then all you need to do is visit marriedpeople.org. That's it for us this week. Until next time, I'm CJ and thanks for listening.